0: Good evening, everyone. I'm Jeanette Dong. I'm trustee for the um, AHS Board of Trustees, and I'm chair of the governance ad hoc committee. I welcome you tonight. Uh, Madam Clerk, let's call the roll. Trustee Banerjee, here. Trustee Bouquet,
1: here.
0: Trustee Dong, here. Trustee Esteen, here. We have a quorum. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Um, we're going to take public comment now for non-agenda items, and then I have a few introductory remarks. And we'll receive um, the presentation from the California Association of Public Hospitals and Erica Murray, its president. Madam Clerk, will you please call the first public comment?
2: Uh,
0: yes, we have. One moment,
3: please.
0: I'm sure somebody makes that. Nick Pirano, <laughs> Mr. Pirano.
4: Uh, hi, everyone. Thanks for taking my comment. Um, yeah, so my name is Nick Perrano. Uh, I'm with SCIU Local 10 to 1. I'm a researcher. And um, uh, I just wanted to say that uh, as you are looking at different governance models, um, we actually would prefer uh, a model that um, returns HS governance to the county um, and is one that is more aligned with uh, Um, counties such as san francisco and santa clara as you'll hear more about during the presentation Um, we think uh, the authority model uh, that you currently have um, is no longer necessary given um, the change in the healthcare landscape and the fact that uh, the county is in much better uh, financial shape than it was uh, when the authority was created Um, We also feel there are good opportunities for financial integration, um, as well as integration with behavioral health um, that could come out of a uh, county model. Um, And we just want to encourage your board to um, give that serious consideration as uh, further discussions about governance um, happen, both uh, with your board and um, with county leadership. Thank you.
5: Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker, NATO Green. Uh, hi, everybody. Um, NATO Green, SEIU Ten to One. I'm the chief negotiator for the union. Um, we are, uh, you know, we, we are uh, in support of of changing the governance model, n- knowing that you know you we it's not it's not personal. We like all of you. Uh, you're doing good work, um, but. The, you know, what we have seen, our members have a long history of being frustrated coming to the trustees again and again. and sort of for, for us, core values are that one billion dollars of public money needs to be uh, managed ultimately by people who answer to the voters. Um, and whether there's uh, another oversight body or a commission or something else um, that's involved in sort of day-to-day operational considerations, I think we have an open mind. But the, the combination structure that we have in the authority model of, um, of uh, lack of democratic oversight leads to uh, the kind of problems that gave rise to our strike last year um, uh, and, the, and the kind of breakdown in communication and accountability. And in addition, the financial relationship with the county, we think is a fundamental problem for a public health system. Poor uh, people are, are never profitable in any public health system. It, that takes care of poor people is going to struggle financially and we think that in Alameda county, given the resources that we have, there needs to be uh, direct public investment in the public health system and public support uh, so that so that we can meet the needs of the needs of the patients uh, And so having a public health model where you are being from our perspective continually suffocated by by invented debt from your own funding source, um, is is a is an unsustainable model that requires continuous cuts to services and staffing that put patients at risk, and so we're looking forward to supporting uh, uh, a a a long term change in governance to get full investment and support and democratic accountability at AHS.
0: Thank you, Mr. Green. Um, I'd also like to is that the um, the end of public comment. Um, Madam Clerk. Yes I don't have any more people signed up. Okay thank you. I'd like to also welcome Trustee Splendorio. I see if he's joined us in, the, in our governance uh, ad hoc committee so welcome Trustee. Um, a couple of introductory remarks before we receive our presentation uh, and comment from Mr. Jackson. Um, I want to thank our, my fellow trustees for joining me on the governance ad hoc committee. As you know that we have been, uh, the county has formed uh, a study with HMA and retained them to look at our governance structure and other governance structures to see what might make sense for Alameda Health System. And we formed this ad hoc committee so that we can work in partnership with Alameda County uh, staff as well as the Board of Supervisors. You've heard a couple of meetings ago, an update from HMA and you may have heard them say, and many others say, there's only three models of public hospital systems in California. Well, tonight we're going to hear from Erica Murray what some of those models are um, in California and how they may or may not look like who we are today as Alameda Health System. Um, I, I, I do want to say that and mention and acknowledge that AHS has been through quite a lot in the past few years and my hope is that this process will provide an opportunity to not only heal our organization and our families but also a chance for us to reflect on what kind of structure will allow us to provide the best patient care we could possibly have for them. and i also want to reinforce and acknowledge that we want to hear from you all and i appreciate your public comments but i want to make sure that all the stakeholders who want to speak and provide a voice are allowed to do so. and you can do so during this meet this public comment for this meeting you can send directly a communication i think the system received an email from your ceo mr jackson inviting comment in written form, directly to him or CEO, you can also provide comment during our regular board when we report out of this ad hoc, report out on this ad hoc committee. And I invite you to continue to listen and reflect and provide your input because your input is critical as we partner with the county to resolve this issue. So, and I'm very cognizant of the fact as the rest of the uh, trustees that. Mr. Jackson is your CEO and he is our, the person that reports to the board. So I do want to allow some time for him to provide comment on this, um, on the governance ad hoc committee process. Mr. Jackson.
6: Thank you very much, Chair Dong. I appreciate the opportunity to, to address this group. I I think this is a meeting that's probably long overdue. 1998 was when the health authority was established and I, I think that Mr. Green said something very important and that is that it was a different time we were in a different um milieu at, then and so there needs to be a review and a look at what are the best practices and what are the best models across this state and we have an expert here in the form of Miss Murray who's going to talk to us about that and whether we remain as we're currently configured or it evolves into something that is deemed to be more appropriate in this day and age, I think that's really appropriate. And I appreciate your comment about, um, Chair Dong, about getting feedback from the stakeholders. It's really important that we hear from both our internal and external stakeholders as we look to provide input to the HMA team while they, so that they can make the best informed recommendation to the Board of soups so i'm grateful for the participation there are 83 people on the line tonight so there's a lot of interest in this and i'm very excited to hear the presentation thank you very much
0: thank you mr jackson um i'd like to introduce erica murray thank you erica for being here she's president of the california Public hospital association and we're so very fortunate to have her she's presented for uh before the trustees before many many boards of uh, uh of, of presentation so we're very happy to have her and her slides are have been posted and um and um we look forward to hearing um your your presentation it'll take about 30 minutes is that right erica yes okay and then we'll have trustee comments and public comment thank you erica thank you trustee don
2: And thank you, everybody. Can you hear me? Okay, great. I I like to think I have many talents, but technology is not one of them. So uh, bear with me. Uh, As Trustee John said, uh, my name is Erica Murray. Let's see if I can share screen. Okay. Here we go. Share. Okay, I think I did it. Yes, everyone see this? Okay, great. Uh, I'm really thrilled to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to dialogue with all of you. And um, as Trustee Dong said, uh, this is not my first chance to dialogue with the Alameda Health System Board of Trustees, but um, in many respects, it's my first opportunity to dialogue with you uh, uh, because of the large change in the composition of the Board Uh, And I just really want to say what a pleasure it is to meet you. And I hope that uh, this presentation and and other conversations we have, you'll you'll see that I can be a resource to you, um, especially to try to provide state and national context for the very local and specific issues uh, you are wrestling with. So that's what I'm hoping to do today, is really ground our conversation on governance um, with introducing myself and um, CAPHS and I, just so you have a sense of where I'm coming from, uh, and then uh, put Alameda Health System in a in the bigger context of all public healthcare systems in California, and, and actually even do a little bit of history um, so that we can... Um, you can ground your considerations of, of possibilities with an understanding of public health care systems in California. Uh, and then I thought in addition to doing what I was asked to do, which is talk about different governance models for public health care systems, um, I could also offer some observations and reflections about what public health care systems are grappling with today, uh, because I think that might ha- um, bear, have some bearings uh, on the the choices and decisions that I know you will be wrestling with um, what what you may notice is not on this list is a recommendation uh, it is I am not here to um, offer an opinion about which is which governance model is better or worse um, I, I I trust that you are all well equipped to um, Take in information, whether it's from me or other resources or um, HMA, and noodle on it, and uh, come up with your own sense of better or worse, um, and and do that yourself. You can imagine as as someone that represents in an organization that represents a wide range of systems. We are agnostic, largely in in how they are structured and 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 how they. Um, design their reporting and governance, um, but but I'm here to just sort of lay it out for you so that you can have that to uh, to take back and think on. So who we are? Uh, CAPH, as we call ourselves, is the trade association um, that represents twenty one public health care systems in California. So we uh, we are a trade association. I often say that we should be in Sacramento. We are actually located in Oakland in Jack London Square. When we are able to be in person, uh, but it means we are down the street. You are you are our uh, neighborhood member, uh, and um, but the, the kinds of things we do are. I, I often say, I'm your lobbyist. I'm your lobbyist in Sacramento. I'm your lobbyist in um, Washington D.C. And we have a team of about 20 staff um, across the APH and SNI that work on your behalf. Uh, but CAPH is the, is the policy and trade association shop. And we sort of find ourselves uh, in a Venn diagram, I often say, uh, between we live in the CSAC world. Um, so many of our members are county owned or, or affiliated. And so they because they report to the board of supervisors, um, our, my board members, I, I, I communicate frequently um, with CSAC. Uh, but we also live in the CHA world uh, and um, are part of the California Hospital Association. Uh, And then because uh, many of our systems include federally qualified health centers as as part of their systems, uh, we also live um, in the clinic world. Uh, And so we work very closely with the California Primary Care Association. So it's a unique position that CAPH finds itself, and I think it's... um, it has really strong advantages for having um, a real, uh, a broadened perspective on safety net issues in California. Back in 1999, we formed, that we being the CAPH board, formed a nonprofit whose members are the the members of CAPH um, to um, help work directly with our members on quality improvement efforts. So while CAPH is a 501c6, um, SNI is a 501c3, uh, and um, historically received grants from uh, major foundations, California Healthcare Foundation, the California Endowment, uh, Blue Shield, of California Foundation, um, uh, to help members um, make direct improvements uh, on uh, you know, tough challenges and to make sure that no public healthcare system was reinventing the wheel on its own. Uh, and so SNI created multi-year learning collaboratives, most of which Alameda at the time, Alameda County Medical Center availed itself of, um, whether it was on language access or chronic disease management or um, ambulatory patient visit redesign. Uh, cultural competence, you name it, um, there was an opportunity to learn. Um, in 2010, uh, we began um, uh, designing, we de- we designed and we negotiated and then implemented a statewide, across all of our members, uh, pay for performance program uh, as part of our Medicaid waiver uh, that changed the... Um, the the construct of SNI so that now all members pay dues to SNI the same way they do to CAPH, uh, because all members are working on um, many of the same uh, efforts together. And so SNI grew in scope uh, and size. Um, And now, because there is such a drive towards value-based payments, we are able to apply the expertise that SNI has been able to bring to bear with what works, what metrics make sense, how how truly on the ground improvement can be done with our policy development. So although we are two distinct organizations, we often function as a single organization because that's truly how value-based policy works. And so who are our members? We, as as I've said, we represent 21 public healthcare systems. They're mostly county owned and operated. Uh, They, I also say when when I'm speaking to other external groups or affiliated, which is a way of encompassing um, the health authorities of Alameda and Kern. Um, But we also represent the five University of California medical centers, several of whom were traditionally the county um, hospital back in the day and then converted to, and and were were acquired by the University of California system. So have historical, you know, have a history of being the the public hospital in that county, but others that don't, but because of they, they are public in in a particular way. And I'll I'll touch on this in a bit. um, We represent all five of them. And you can see from these statistics in the left-hand corner, um, the, uh, that the public health care systems, I often say, when you, when you think about the, the health care safety net in California, it's our public health care systems and our community health centers. We really are together the safety net of the safety net. Um, for public health care systems, though, we're just 6% of all hospitals. We provide 35% of the hospital care to Medi-Cal beneficiaries, 40% of the hospital care to the remaining uninsured, and you'll notice that I don't, I try to avoid the term public hospital, um, just because I think that does a disservice to the structure of the systems like Alameda Health System, um, where there are hospitals, as well as primary and, and specialty care clinics. Um, and, and hopefully communicates um, the, that the energy is around, not just providing care in particular settings, but in creating systems of care across settings um, to make it as um, coordinated and efficient as possible. So just a little bit of history, because I think this this can help in conversations when thinking about how to structure or design um, uh, governance models. Um, Cal, as you all know, um, I come from uh, 15 years ago, uh, 16 now, uh, I come from Capitol Hill, where I worked, um, I worked in the Senate. And we used to have a saying there that uh, you've seen one Medicaid program, you've seen one Medicaid program. And then coming to California and joining CAPH back in 2005, I grew to appreciate that in California, you've seen one, one county medi Medi-Cal program, you've seen one county. And that is definitely true. But back in the day, in 1914, almost every California county ran its own hospital. Uh, and and took on that responsibility directly for indigent care and then and that continued to be true um, even up to 1964 a few had dropped off but um, there were 66 public health care systems in, in California over between this between the mid 60s uh, and um, the early 2000s the um, the business of healthcare Changed fundamentally. I don't. I don't need to tell this group, but many counties, especially in rural areas, uh, uh, um, and in other places like Marin General, um, the, there are there the boards of supervisors elected to either close or convert their hospital to a nonprofit or have it be acquired by a larger health system. And so the number of nonprofit hospitals grew, um, and the number of public Hospital systems declined, uh, and since since I have been with CAPH since 2005, the last two um, conversions or closures was were in LA with the conversion of Martin Luther King Jr. Drew Hospital to a nonprofit, and the and the total closure of Tuolumne General Hospital. Two examples, I think, of uh, counties deciding for different reasons um, that being in the business, so to speak. Of of running a public hospital system uh, was too great a burden, primarily economically. Uh, and so now we have the 21 systems that remain. Uh, and just to paint a picture of what what makes the public healthcare systems that remain so unique, um, m- most patients in public healthcare systems are on medical or uninsured. Uh, and you'll we'll we'll break this down and by comparison in the next slide. Um, and as I said, um, they are true systems of care, um, providing um, the range of services from uh, trauma, emergent, um, burn, all the way to prevention. Uh, and, it, and it varies uh, you know, across, the, across um, the settings, but by and large, they are all systems. Uh, and of course, provide public good services in many places that no other provider is willing to provide um, because because of the high costs associated with those services, primarily uh, trauma, burn. Uh, We also provide a fair amount of training. Um, And just in these 21 systems, we train half of all doctors across the state. So there's a very important training component that public healthcare systems provide for the state. And of course, we as public healthcare systems, we have the legal responsibility for, um, for counties to provide care to the uninsured. It's from Section 17,000 of the Welfare and Institutions Code that requires counties to provide that indigent care. And counties have constructed different ways of doing that as they have closed or converted their hospitals. So the UCs are a good example. Um, let's take UC Irvine, used to be the county hospital in Orange County is now a UC hospital um, but still plays an important role in the provision of care for low-income minority patients um, in Orange County. Uh, And then we are unique in our our Medi-Cal financing and I'm going to try my hardest not to wade too deeply into this, but I do think um, it is impossible to truly contemplate issues of governance um, without really um, also recognizing the deep connection between public health care systems, um, there, the, the large number of medical and uninsured patients who are treated in these systems, and how particularly Medi-Cal and, and care for the uninsured is financed in California and across the country. So I thought this would also provide some context and sort of uh, as you understand uh, what's the difference between a public health care system and other types of providers. And uh, what I would call your attention to first is the the top bar. So here we are comparing the CAPH members. Um, and I would also note that this, that our bar graph, you can imagine, the, the UCs have a, a different payer mix because they have a different uh, mission and model in many places uh, where they see a lot of commercial and Medicare patients primarily in tertiary and quaternary settings. Um, but we've combined all of the CAPH members here for comparison purposes. Um, two, you'll see this NDPH, um, the, the uh, sort of the legal term for public health care systems in, in many in state law and in federal law is the designated public hospitals. Uh, That is um, to distinguish us from quote-unquote non-designated public hospitals, which refers to district hospitals, um, which you all have an appreciation for understanding um, the the, um, composition of Alameda Health System, including multiple entities, um, that a non-designated public hospital is public by virtue of being part of a healthcare district but is distinguished from a designated public hospital because it does not have the Section 17,000 obligation. So typically, um, and, it, and it varies again across California, typically district hospitals look different than, than so-called public hospitals. Uh, and, then we're, and then the third column compares, uh, compares us to other private hospitals, mostly not-for-profit but also investor-owned. So when you look across the top, you see that um, for commercial patients, um, you know the, the, the commercial bulk of business is largely the same, which may be surprising. But of course, um, it's the setting in which that commercial care is provided. And of course, in public hospitals, b- providing so much trauma and and burn services, um, m- most of our commercial. Uh, patients come in through the emergency room um, uh, to receive that life-saving care. Uh, then you'll see the middle um, uh, district hospitals and private hospitals see um, more Medicare patients um, than, than public hospitals. And, and it's sort of almost a, a reverse and, and public hospitals see more Medi-Cal. The, the, the thing that makes me the happiest, <laughs> I have to say, Having been with CAPH for 16 years and knowing how this bar, these bar graphs have changed, is how small the light blue piece is that we are on the other side of the Affordable Care Act, and that, that you can imagine what a what a much larger percentage of the uninsured we all saw, but particularly public hospitals. So this is, um, I have to say, when I look at the bar graph um, for CAPH members, this is the bar graph um on the front end of the ACA that we always wanted to see <laughs> although of course we would want that that light blue to be zero and we're still working towards it but this is tremendous progress in terms of coverage expansion so to the topic at hand um, I hope I I'm I'm a big believer in providing sufficient context um, before we get into uh sort of the nitty-gritty and the and the substance um, but I hope that you can see the range of public health care systems across California, ranging from you know the big kahuna in LA with its four hospitals uh, and, and clinics. And then you have uh, San Mateo, which is a, a smaller hospital there. They, they, um, they have a lot of differences, but they have also have a lot of shared similarities and characteristics. Um, but, but those differences, and, you know, you've seen one Medi-Cal program in California, you've seen one Medi-Cal program, um, they do play out in terms of how the governance has been structured. So the first model is what we'd call an umbrella or super agency structure where the different, many different departments often, they're not all the same, but um, generally behavioral health, public health and health care. Um, are concentrated under a single agency, uh, and that that is how it works in Santa Clara and San Francisco, Contra Costa, Riverside, Ventura, and San Mateo. And so, for for just um, as a point of clarification, sometimes those agency heads are are sit on the CAPH board. So the agency head for Santa Clara um, is the CAPH board representative. Um, And I, I think it's a, it's a good moment to clarify that for Alameda health system under its authority, um, we uh, do, although I work very closely with Alameda County and, and we, we collaborate very closely, the board seat for CAPH is an Alameda health system seat, uh, not a county seat, Uh, but it varies, it varies across these different uh, super agency structures. And within that super agency structure, two of those uh, counties have uh, chosen to create uh, distinct entities um, that help um, oversee the operations and the success of the public health care system. And of course that's in San Francisco. San Francisco is our only agency that is all public health and the public health, um, Director, I can't remember its title. The, the, the head of public health in San Francisco reports to the San Francisco Health Commission, um, which is is set up purposefully for, um, for with that role in mind to help oversee and direct um, um, the uh, San Francisco Health Network um, and and, and um, all all the all those issues. Similarly, but slightly differently in San Mateo, although the board of supervisors is the governing authority, it delegates um, the oversight of the hospital to um, a specific hospital governing board. Um, and, and I thought uh, as, as you, can, you can, I put in a link to the bylaws so that you could see how they um, list out exactly what the purview of the hospital governing board is in terms of operations management, planning, quality management, uh, medical staff recommendations. I think there are others, um, but I think it can, it gives you a sense that there, there isn't just one way to structure, even within a super agency structure or an umbrella structure, um, there can be slight variations. This, the second big category um, of our members Um, is where there are separate departments, each reporting to the Board of Supervisors. So there is no agency head. Um, The CEO of the public health care system is uh, on on an org chart sort of across um, at a parallel level with the head of public health, um, with the head of behavioral health, um, and and they all report directly to the um, Board of Supervisors. Typically, the Board of Supervisors has a subgroup, a health and hospital, or, or a, not health and hospital, but a, a health and human services subcommittee that, that tries to think about um, all of those issues. Um, there... Uh, I, I will... And then the third... The, uh, well, before I get to the third model, I will say that um, one factor that um, is one factor to consider in thinking about different models um, and and a factor that um, some CAPH members are contemplating is as we move to more comprehensive um, uh, and holistic care and really a recognition of what we call whole person care and certainly Alameda um, is a shining example of the success of whole person care how important it is for collaboration and coordination across departments, uh, whether it's public health, behavioral health um, and healthcare services. And so whether they're separate or combined under an agency, it's just extremely important um, to have that the shared goals um, and to have um, a real ability to, um, to collaborate uh, because as we all recognize, um, so often the health care services that are sought by people really struggling um, go well beyond actual health care, physical health care, and um, can often involve um, the need for legal aid, transportation. Of course, housing is, is often at the center of their needs. Uh, the, the The importance of whole person care really requires a uh uh, collaborative model regardless of governance structure uh, and then of course the final the the, the last um, the last bucket is the health authority and um, uh, mr. Jackson mentioned the history of Alameda creating its health um, authority back in the late 90s and then it was the only one in California up until 2016 when Kern medical, uh chose to create a health authority I, and i would just offer that um, although uh, the model is the same the situation and circumstances the politics and dynamics uh, uh, when you look at alameda county versus kern county are very very different um, there are some public health care systems that continue to exist today but exist in um, in uh, more conservative with more conservative boards of supervisors um, with, in a more conservative environments in thinking about the the role of local governments in providing care to um, to low income uh, patients, particularly those who remain uninsured and who are undocumented. And um, Kern Kern's creation of a of a health Authority, um, I would posit it was um, had some similarities with uh, Alameda's health authority in the in in thinking about the financial struggles of a county and of a of a public health care system, um, but the politics were very very different, and so it almost. Regardless of the governance structure, I really felt like it was important um, to, for you to know as, as you're thinking about the pros and cons and issues and options. Um, what's what uh, California's public healthcare systems are facing uh, today? Not because it's not because I encourage an in the moment decision, of course, but because I do think there are some long term. Uh, yes challenges before us and i think it's important for you to know about those and and also uh uh to be you know with full disclosure i wanted to uh share with you some of the issues that i would love um to talk with you more about in the future um with with the full board or however however would be most helpful but i think as uh as a board of trustees these are the things that you should know are, are sort of the policy and political context in which um, Alameda Health System sits. So, of course, the top the top one on the list is COVID nineteen. Uh, I will tell you that I I am spending ninety percent of my time right now on vaccines and uh, talking with counties and with uh, hospitals and with the third party administrator Blue Shield um, and with many state officials. On how that um, program is being designed, uh, and and how public healthcare systems in particular can play an important role in ensuring equitable distribution to low income communities, um, and how we can, for example, ensure that a an online portal, um, which could which can be considered important for um, uh, consistency purposes across California, but how an online portal doesn't automatically favor those who have access to the Internet and who can who are not able to sit at home and just click refresh. So how are we going to really reach um, the patients who are served at public health care systems and how can we partner with the state and Blue Shield to do that? And then of course, uh, although the ho- the hospitalization rate is going down, it's we're still only we still have a lot more to go um, for for to be on the other end of this crisis, um, and and testing remains a, a key piece of that puzzle as well. Um, the second major issue facing uh, the public health care systems has to do with our long term financial sustainability, uh, and um, I, I I I say that really importantly because it's um, the I think, there's a, I think you all probably appreciate on the face of it, Medi-Cal has never been a fully financed um, vehicle for care to, to low-income minority populations. And, and as the state has um, not increased its contributions to Medi-Cal, that has pushed the responsibility for financing the what we call the non-federal share, the local match of Medicaid, or Medi-Cal, to counties and to public health care systems. And that model, if you can appreciate, you know, if you're putting in half um, and the feds are giving you half, the feds think half plus half equals a whole, but you've already put in half. So we're always at half by virtue of self-financing our Medi-Cal. And when you see how much Medi-Cal we provide, it's a self-reinforcing problem that has limitations and and we keep finding opportunities to try to plug that hole with supplemental payments to try to cover the gap between the cost of our services and what we actually receive. But we also end up self-financing those supplemental payments. Uh, And so we are, from a financial perspective, public healthcare systems are sort of constantly chasing their tail. And I just think that's important for you to understand uh, because it means that um, we often are facing a, uh, uh, choices of not very good options. Um, and that CAPH has been, uh, has a very successful track record of creating these supplemental payments to keep public health care systems afloat. But the downside is they always have to be self-financed because uh, the state doesn't want to put any funding into it, and the feds are already matching it, and and um, that then um, leaves the burden with with the public health care system. And those supplemental payments themselves are in a are in a period of real flux. Um, you all know about Whole Person Care, this really important program that I keep alluding to, and that is that is such a good example of, of how we can make manifest addressing the social determinants of health, really important. It, we got a one-year extension because of the pandemic, but it expires at the end of this year and we're trying to figure out how to convert it. And the way to do that, that the feds will allow is by transitioning it from a county-based uh, program to one that's run through Medi-Cal Managed Care. And that means that our relationships with our Medi-Cal managed care plans, of course, in your case, the Alameda Alliance and Anthem have never been more important. Uh, I just can't stress that enough. We also have other supplemental payments that have transitioned from being um, largely self-contained to now running through managed care plans. Uh, And and that means we have to be uh, aligned with, with those plans. And it also means that Anthem, which is seeking to retain its market share, um, it wants to stay in Alameda County um, and during this reprocurement period where the state is putting up to bid um, the commercial plans in in counties like Alameda, um, there there's that's an opportunity for some really important conversations between Anthem um, and potential other commercial uh, plans and Alameda Health System. And I alluded to them a little bit, but these supplemental payments are often performance-based. Uh, and that means... Uh, as you think about uh, being trustees of Alameda Health System, the imp- that, that just Ooh. conveys the importance of operational and clinical quality excellence. It's just, it, it's important to do because it's the right thing to do for patients, um, but it also is tied to critical funding um, that will keep Alameda Health System afloat. And I am proud to say that Alameda Health System has a very strong track record. Of in the in the performance based supplemental pr- programs that we have been designing going back to 2007, um, and they've continued to evolve. I'm very proud to say that Alameda Health System ha- has done a great job in achieving that e- excellence and drawing down those dollars. Um, so there's there's real reason for pride, and it will be Im- important to maintain and and perhaps even. Um, Uh, strengthen over time as those performance metrics perhaps get get even more challenging. And then I can't end without talking about the fact that we've really um, been through three crises uh, in the past year. Um, We've of course a public health crisis um, uh, that generated an economic crisis and and, um, uh, an important um, crisis uh, that has been in our culture and society forever, but it's finally, hopefully getting the recognition it needs, which is the the ways that systemic racism um, uh, impact our whole lives, and especially in the healthcare system. And CAPH and the Safety Net Institute are working um, to find ways to partner with our member systems um, to really address um, uh, those important issues and to learn together about how to acknowledge structural racism in, in healthcare and move forward. So I'll stop talking. I don't know if that was 30 minutes, Jeanette, but um, I'm sorry if I went longer. I, I uh, Or or if, if there's more time for questions, I'm happy to take them.
0: Thank you so much, Ms. Murray. Um, I do want to open up for questions from and comments from the trustees and also want to acknowledge the president presence of trustee jensen and welcome trustee jensen uh, trustees any questions um, or comments
1: hi this is bouquet uh, you know my comments are always i always love to hear a presentation from erica murray to her her understanding of california public health the uh, hospital situation is, is kind of un, un, unrivaled. So, Erica, you know, I think when, when we started out, we talked about kind of this three-model system as you presented. There's the super agency, there's the separate agencies reporting to the Board of Supes, and then there's the health authority model that we're in. I think, I think to, to what I take home from here is while, yes, there are three major models, there are such variants within each subset that it really makes it more complex than simply one of three. Um, it It seems that the dominant su- uh big theme is the super agency amongst the twenty one public health systems, but as you even alluded to there's variance within there how it's organized so uh while we uh, while we were striving to simplify this it it actually underbelies the complexity of all of this just like you said if you've seen one hospital system you've seen one hospital mm-hmm. system so it's a lot of work for HMA to have, help figure out.
2: Yes, I, as you know, Trustee, yeah. I, I have never given a simple answer to anything. The the yeah. simplest answer is usually it depends.
1: Yes, it depends, that, and that's smart. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
7: mm-hmm.
0: Other Trustee comments and
7: questions? All Trustees? Yeah, this is Kim Kenny. Um I wanted to know which, uh, because it's so vital moving forward no matter what model we choose that the integration and the coordination between public health, HICSA, um, HSM is from the patient's and the community's point of view as seamless as possible, the continuum of care. Is there one, like as you're thinking about it, where um, that, uh, that shines for you, like where you see how, how well the coordination is happening?
2: a tough question to answer um, and i i it's 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 a it's a tough one to answer because i think it really depends on so many other factors beyond governance um, because there i think there there needs to be uh in addition in addition to the actual governance structure uh, a real grounding in um what's best for a patient and um uh, I think, it, you know, I, I think whole person care is a good example of how we had an opportunity because we could we could design a program with federal reimbursement to, in many ways, do the kinds of things that we always knew we should uh, in in have different county departments talk to one another and collaborate and truly put the patient in the center and then design the services around them rather than asking these patients. Um, who were often having to take a day off of work, or really um, struggle to uh, provide, to to obtain these services in the first place, to go from one place to another place to another place, and so uh, that that doesn't. <laughs> I guess my point is that um, I observed counties uh, that were structured in all three buckets struggle with that, uh, you know, and that whole person care has really. Uh, offered a springboard into thinking about redesigning services uh, around a patient uh i hope that helps
7: yeah no thank you that that does help and also kind of thinking about like san mateo county besides the the different um departments within the county system but that consortium of hospitals which are like which also takes into account the non-public hospitals and how might there be Better, better interoperability and coordination between the other hospitals within the county as well.
0: Erica, uh, thank we have, thank you. Thank you, um, Trustee Banerjee. We have a question from a participant regarding your presentation, Erica. Uh, they are wanting to understand and get a definition in your presentation of what structural racism means. To the patients of Alameda County, specifically at community hospitals.
2: Goodness. Um, I don't, I didn't come with a definition. I know that this is um, it's such an important issue and one that I think merits um, organizational reflection on what we as organizations mean by structural racism and how we can. Um, acknowledge how it has um, impacted the care we provide, the way we've structured services, I mean, really do some important uh, reflection and that can lead to some profound change. Uh, so I, I just look forward to the process with all of you to start with Something like a definition, a shared a shared agreement by what we of what we mean by structural racism, so that we can then um, do that important work.
0: Thank you. Other trustee comment and questions, please. Yes, Trustee Esteen.
3: Yeah, I think um, the structural racism question is, is pretty spot on because I think as we talk about financing and governance um, and the fact that. of all docs are trained by only 21 systems within the state. That's a serious, unfair burden and also a huge benefit to our society. Um, And the fact that also the shift in Medicare, 45% of district hospitals and non-designated public hospitals, which is AKA private, means they're also serving more people who are whiter and older so you know it's like how do we continue to move money out of our public health system and into the hands of uh privatization um and w- even with whole person care now we have to go to the managed Medi-Cal. i wonder how uh as we think about governor newsom requesting a waiver for uh, universal health care Medicare for all, uh, how, how realistic do you see that being? And what would be the impact on our system?
2: Wow, that's a massive question.
3: <laughs>
1: uh, only, I, only the easy stuff, Erica. I, know. Um, uh,
2: I guess I would start by saying that the public healthcare care systems experience every day the impact of a lack of of healthcare coverage, and we can we see in our emergency rooms um, and in our clinics trying to uh, trying to stay connected to patients who are living really challenging lives, um, and so it has always been uh, a, a top priority of CAPH to expand coverage in. Uh, to, to everyone, that that healthcare is a right and not a privilege. Um, I think, uh, you know, we it's a it's a really important conversation to be having about how we do that and how we do that in an equitable way that makes sure that um, we are factoring in the um, not just the lack of coverage but the impact of poverty. Uh, uh and the choices that are required um that are um, inhumane uh and so it's it's a very complicated question that I'm I'm trying not to dodge <laughs> but um I think could be the subject of its own um it, it, you know it's its own 2 hour meeting if not entire retreat um in thinking about how we um how we design our systems of care that are grounded in equity. Other, oops.
8: Yeah, Eric, uh, there is uh, one question uh, from the audience um, and the question, and I'll ask the person who asked the question if they could clarify if uh, if it's not entirely clear, but, uh, The question is, which governance structure incorporates community clinics that may not be part of its system?
2: That's a great question, and I don't know the answer for sure, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say none from a governance perspective. Um, So one of the unusual things about public health care systems, and I mentioned this at the beginning when I was talking about that Venn diagram that we have... You know, we call them public healthcare systems because they have uh, primary and specialty care clinics out in the community and on their campus. um, Some of which have have obtained um, federally qualified health center status. So we have FQHCs, um, which are usually nonprofit private clinics. Uh, And so we work very closely with CPCA. I work very closely with Ralph Silber uh, uh, and and the uh, FQHCs and the consortium in Alameda, um, he's a great um, supporter, as you all know, of of Alameda Health System. And he was on the board of SNI for a long time. Um, in terms of governance, though, even though our our public healthcare systems can have FQHCs, um, that's a payment model. Really, it's a, it's a designation, but it's it's really a payment model. Uh, the there is no true governance model that incorporates uh, other uh, community health centers. I, instead of governance, I would put that in the cat- category of collaboration. And is that as you think about how you want to design the governance, but also then how do you want to foster collaboration? And the, and again, um, just knowing knowing your um, safety net leaders in Alameda, um, there has been, there, there is a long track record for many years of close collaboration between Alameda Health System, the uh, clinic consortium, and uh, the Medi-Cal Managed Care Plan. Uh, it's, it's hard, to, I can't think of anything, any major thing that's happened, um, any policy or development that has not involved very close dialogue across those entities.
0: Thank you. Um, Madam Clerk, if we have any other public comment, is it possible just to unmute them and hear the question from them personally? Are there any other comments from the public that we can just unmute?
8: There is another question that I receive here.
0: Is it from a public... Can we just unmute participant, please, Michael?
8: Yes, everybody can unmute themselves uh, but is this this was sent to me they asked if I could ask it for them
0: okay that go ahead mike
8: so the uh, this question is what governance structure will be best will best put the choice of how this system and its funding gives county residents the biggest say in how the system operates
2: I don't feel equipped to answer that one. I think that there's a there's a fair amount of um, subjectivity uh, involved in that, and but I do think uh, it's helpful to uh, try to think of you know in terms of a process um, what principles or elements or um, components you um, the the board of trustees will want to. Um, see, um, or, are sort of factors to consider, um, and prioritize when thinking about a governance structure.
0: Okay. Mike, do you have any other emails asking, requesting a question and answer?
8: Uh, hold on just one second.
0: I would like Madam clerk, if possible, I would enjoy hearing the voices of our stakeholders. I think the other trustees would also, if people do have questions, please use the raise hand signal. And I'm going to ask the Madam Clerk to unmute those people who have their hands raised. We would really enjoy hearing from you. I appreciate going through Mr. Moy, but I really would love to hear your voice. And I think the others would too. And Mike, do you have any other questions? Because I actually have a question for Erica.
8: Yep. So here's a question. During this discussion of government governance and management of our publicly supportive health system many different controversies are framed as quote being best for patients end quote what are recommended frameworks for determining patient centeredness and patient impact of governance options in other decisions to be made
2: Gosh, again, I think I think it's a fantastic question that I would put to the to the trustees, and um, as um, another, uh, you know, similar term that I appreciate. I'm throwing out there without real a real definition. More, I think we all have our own understanding of what that means, and it will be a an important part of the process to discern what Alameda Health System means by being patient centered.
1: I, 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 uh, with, with your ch- permission, Madam Chair, I would support what Erica said, and 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 further say it would first start being about being declarative about what, what what we envision for the the patient's voice, and then once we are declarative about it, then instituting the structures wherein that can be executed. Patient advisory boards, our patients on clinical evaluation committees, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So. I, I, I would agree that this is this is a great opportunity for every single hospital system in this country. And, and that obviously does not exclude us. But it starts, in my opinion, with being declarative about it. Um, you know, actually p- placing the, the patient at the center. And that would be uh, in clinical design. You know, um, we've, we've done some of these things here uh, in fits and starts. We moved. We moved orthopedics to a fourth floor to be near radiology, so stu- so patients didn't have to walk and go mm-hmm. uh, so far to get to radiology. So it starts with those little things, and then the opportunity for our CEO is to help uh, assess our 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 approach to patient centeredness, and and in my opinion that that's that's the evolution we're we're at right now is trying to uh, trying to declare who we are, and so it's quite existential.
7: Hmm. And I'd say that even as we use like models for quality, even for strategy, kind of using the steep thing of like what is safe, what, how, what, would, what kind of structure would give us the most timely, effective, e- efficient, like even as we are generalizing, but to, to the best of our ability, that, that model, uh, um, uh, using that filter too for a lot of our decision making process.
0: I would absolutely support a more patient-centered focus. And I really did enjoy um, the report from healthcare uh, from the homeless because they do incorporate the consumers, Dr. Francis, as a requirement of the grant and the FQHC uh, status. And I did want to ask a question to Mr. Jackson to that point. How many patient advisory committees or do we have patient advisory committees currently?
6: So, I'm only aware of the one, which is the uh, Healthcare for the Homeless Consortium. There, there may be others. Well, actually, I'm sorry, there's two because I attended one at Alameda Hospital just last week. And so, the homeless one and then the one at Alameda Hospital are the two that I'm aware of. I will put the caveat that I'm not, in my three weeks here, I've not heard of any others, but I certainly do support the concept. And um, I think it's a wonderful point. Um, Ms. Murray mentioned earlier how we have performed in terms of the quality incentives. And she acknowledged that AHS has been successful, but I I just think there are a lot of opportunities for us to really um, be focused on the patient at all times. And that's something I endorse and look forward to pursuing further.
0: Thank you. Mm -hmm. Any other trustee comments before I ask a question? Other trustees? Trustee um, Spilendorio Jensen, any other comments?
9: I don't have any comments, but I have a, que- a series of questions. If you don't mind,
0: go ahead. Is that is
9: that uh, Splend? Yes, sir. yes, ma'am.
0: Please.
9: Uh, thank you for for, for acknowledging me, uh, Jeanette. Uh, Erica, I'm Splend Splendorio. Um, if, hopefully, you, I, I'm a little. I just want to understand. I'm new to all this, so <clears throat> when you say there is 21 public health systems, are they in 12 counties? I, mean, I just want to understand how many counties have public health systems, and how many and i well i can do the math to do the rest just tell me how many there are
2: it's 12. They're, well they're in 12 counties uh, but so you know la has four i mean it, uh can't do it off the top of my head but uh they, they're located um mostly in urban areas uh and um, some places have both a public hospital and a UC. So like San Francisco has Zuckerberg, you know, and the, the, the Department of Public Health, but also UCSF. Um, and and then, of course, there's UCLA in LA. So there, um, I refer you back to the map.
3: Yeah,
9: uh, well, so does, so does that, I just want to understand. So University of California, Irvine, is that, if that's in Orange County. Does it provide the health system, public health system in Orange County, or does Orange County have something different?
2: Yeah, so Orange County has something different. So, it, so back in the day, I don't remember the dates, but back in the day, uh, that the hospital that is now UCI was, let's call it Orange County General, although I don't know that that's the name. But it, and then at a certain point, um, the the County of you know Orange County Board of Supervisors decided that it was going to satisfy its Section Seventeen Thousand mandate not by uh, uh, operating a public hospital directly, but by contracting with the University of California and by dispersing other care for the indigent to other providers.
9: Okay, the same thing for UC Davis, or, I mean, I mean, I just- Yes, exact
2: okay. same thing.
9: Okay, and same thing for UC San Diego, because I don't see San Diego, County San, County San Diego here anywhere, but so it must have a different system. Okay. Um, Another question is on, on your slide nine of thirteen about that um, public health systems train half of all new doctors in the state. How many of that is are at UCs? Uh,
2: I don't know the percentage off the top of my head, but it's it's um, it's a majority. Okay. And that, but what's interesting is that every other public healthcare system. So, of course, the UCs okay. train. We know that that's part of their mission. Uh, but when you, when you look at the, all the others, uh, almost every other one has um, residency programs that are affiliated with the medical training program.
9: Right, I understand. I, I mean, I just, they, they, you know, it, it, in some respects, I'm trying to understand the comparison because UCs obviously have a different funding model.
2: Well, that's part of the, the challenge. They have, they have a, a <laughs> they have a different, um, uh sort of business model, I, I guess it's the right way to say it, um, in that they because they have such um, uh, robust tertiary and quaternary care, um, but they but because they are considered designated public hospitals and because they are considered um, the same type of local unit of government as as public healthcare systems they are considered "Quote unquote," designated public hospitals. So, at a certain point, we just decided, okay, well, you're we're doing all of this very um, detailed, arcane work about Medi-Cal financing in particular um, that that encompasses the UCs, and we had we had UCI and uh, UC Davis as part of our membership. We just decided to, to call it and bring them all in in about 2013 because we were doing so much work in, in, on, in terms of Medi-Cal financing for all of them. But it is true that UCSF and UCLA, um, UC San Diego, there, there's a, there's a different, um, there's a different business model.
9: Thank you. And then my last question has to do with the, on, on the, on the chart, the bar graph. Um, is it possible to see, see what the, Payer mixes for Alameda Health System. I mean, we probably I, I, we may have seen it in our finance reports. I'm just curious. I mean, I you know I, I would especially in comparison to the first graph. Are, are we like that, or are we not? Are we dislike that?
2: I really appreciate the question. As I finished these slides over the weekend, I had the exact same thought that that's what was missing, <laughs> and then if I thought if I was a trustee, that's the question I would ask and um, my staff didn't have the chance to to answer it. So let me get back to you, but also uh, they'll, t- they'll end up having to work with uh, the folks at Alameda Health System, but I, I think it's exactly the right question to ask.
9: All right, well, thank you very much. Thanks, Janet, for the time. Yep. Thank you.
2: Of course. Can I ask a follow-up
0: to the last question, if I can ask Mr. Jackson or his staff, is that uh, uh, bar chart, is that close to our pyramids?
6: mix? I would not be able to say offhand I can certainly pursue that and get back to you and the trustees but I I wouldn't want to hazard a guess without reviewing that further
0: okay thank you sorry for putting, but I want to just also acknowledge that um, Mr. Moy has unmuted everyone and if you would like to make a public comment please use the raised hand um, icon and the, the clerk will inform us that you have raised your hand if you wish to also go or, or you may still go through and be anonymous through Mr. Moy and he can answer the question for you. But I wanted to ask as we're waiting for people to raise or not raise their hands or provide comment, Erica, is there a model that in, in, um, your neutral opinion, um, uh, does a better job of hearing the clinical voice of a system versus the operations?
2: Again, I think that um, I think it's such an important question to ask. Uh, I I think that um, you can look at some of these models um, and find examples uh, where the clinical voice is um, uh, uh, vocal and you know and, and influential, and and the and then those in the same in the same bucket where that's not true. And so I, I think that um, what will be important for you is to think about the, the kind of and, and what it seems what I'm hearing is bubbling up are some concepts or principles that you want to consider um, about, you know, what's important to you as as a set of trustees in thinking about and how to apply that to governance. Um, and then and then a recognition that governance is not going to be the end- all and be-all in terms of the solution to achieving what you want to see with the with those principles or perhaps with with elements of what you may be creating as a vision that the gov- that governance is a, a piece of that puzzle um, that's going to require some some other um, commitments.
8: Um, thank you comment from uh, michael floyd
2: okay can we
0: unmute michael floyd please madam clerk
8: yeah um
10: thank you for allowing me the opportunity to speak to you um one of the things that is challenging for me to understand when you talk about the governance model it's my understanding that one of the biggest limitations on the current structure that is is funding and how they have to request the funding from the Alameda County Board of Supervisors and how they consistently run out of deficit. So my actual question is, of these governance models that you presented today, which one allows for the greatest flexibility in funding and how does that work with the various hospitals that are under their control? Say, for example, San Francisco General as well as San Francisco County, right? They have a fully funded model, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Mr. Floyd, that is such a great question. Uh, there, there. What I was trying to um, suggest is that there are some financial issues facing all public healthcare systems, irrespective of governance structure. That the, the reality is um, because so uh, so many public healthcare systems see mostly medical and uninsured patients. And the funding for those services is so limited um, that um, it is, we are, our constant goal is to try to uh, obtain enough payment that you actually achieve, uh, you, you meet your costs, uh, which for other hospitals, you know that is not they're trying to even though they're not for profit they're always trying to make a margin right and we are always just trying to hit our costs um at the same time it is important to acknowledge that the the alameda um authority model came with it um, uh, an agreement with the county um that um uh involved uh, you know, a, a, I don't want to use the wrong terms, and, and because I am a statewide person, uh, I don't I don't want to misspeak. Um, but there has been um, a, a debt to uh, the Alameda County as part of the um, agreement with the health authority that has that has um, played a role in the financial situation of Alameda Health System. And so to contrast, for example, that was not true in, when Kern Medical spun off from the county. Um, so they did not, they did not um, incur a as, uh, as significant amount of indebtedness. So there's lots of factors to consider. I, again, um, I don't mean to be flip about it, but it's, there's no simple answer to your question, although I think it's a very, very important question to ask.
10: So just a follow-up. It, it wouldn't help if we got Mark Zuckerberg or Mark Benioff to actually get the naming rights to the hospital. That would not pull us out of debt and bring us closer to our achieved goals.
2: Well, I'll just say that you know um, Mark Zuckerberg and his wife Priscilla Chan, who um, uh, is practicing uh, practices or did at at San Francisco General, um, gave a very generous contribution of 75 million. But when we think about the long-term financial situation of public hospital systems, that's incredibly generous and um, you know a drop in the bucket in terms of what we're really going to need uh, to adequately serve our patient population.
7: And I think uh, Michael, you kind of hit it on the nail is that you can't do your mission without margins and then you can't have like, so um, you really need to have that the financial restructuring, which is like so critical to the government model because you can seat and unseat a board as often as you want. But if the underlying structural issues remain the same, then we can never strive for excellence because we are just lurching from one crisis to another to meet just to keep ourselves afloat, and so it's not just the historic, uh, you know, um, uh, structure that we came up with, but even since we had the last permanent agreement that we did, so many new constraints um, and, and new issues have come. So it's the historic and it's the existing issues that kind of keep uh, us from, uh, you know, really coordinating well and being able to do the best for our the, our county residents. <laughs>
0: okay, uh, um, a follow up question along the same lines, um, Erica, does of the three structures you mentioned, do all of them have the same access to funding? Or do different structures, are they able to
2: generate additional funding that another structure can't? It's a good point that I should have mentioned in the presentation, is that one of the one of the distinguishing factors across the public healthcare systems, and I sort of alluded to it with Kern, is the role of the Board of Supervisors and the County in contributing general fund to the public healthcare system. And there's a there's a very that ranges from uh, San Francisco. <laughs> Um, all the way down to there are a whole host of, of counties that contribute zero um, to their public health care system, mm-hmm. uh, and and then sort of everything in between. Uh, and um, I think it's, uh, it's, an it, it's it's an important it's it's an important component to add to your list of considerations is how what what role. Um, do you hope the county will play in supporting the the financial long-term financial sustainability of Alameda Health System um and uh you know I know that has to take into account the history and then also the future um but there's um uh that is that is a really important question
0: are all of those structures able to leverage um fiscally, fed, other federal funds like IGTs or uh, federal uh, claiming and match. So all three structures can, are able to access that type of funding, all
2: three? Yes, we don't, they're, they're all, they're, yes, is the short answer. Um, they, uh, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> it can get very complicated very quickly. Yeah.
0: Um, Want to acknowledge a couple of things before we move on uh miss williams sent uh mr jackson an email that uh in terms of a patient uh, additional patient advisory committee, uh, committee the SNF uh has a SNF resident committee and also i do believe uh mr moy has a question another question from the audience mr moy mr moy you're muted if you're speaking
8: Sorry about that. Uh, Yes, I actually have two questions here. Uh, The first is amongst the uh, three forms of public hospital systems, how many of them employ their physicians?
2: Great question. Um, Off the top of my head, um, almost all is is the short answer.
8: And another question, um, many of us were surprised to learn that our board of trustees is basically comprised of volunteers that generously give of their time, but have other full-time paid commitments. Which of the structures would allow for a paid governing board that would allow the board or authority to commit 100% of their efforts to the success of AHS?
2: I commend the idea and I don't believe that exists today because I know the San Francisco Health Commission um, has a similar model in terms of folks who have "quote unquote" day jobs, as does the San Mateo um, Health uh, Hospital Governing Board. And those are the two models uh, in ter- you know, that are they're different, but are closest to the idea of a of a board of trustees. And I think that's true at Kern Medical as well. So it doesn't exist yet, but I commend your, um, your concept. Uh,
0: Madam Clerk, do we have any other raised hands from the, um, particip- meeting other meeting participants? I don't see any. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Madam Clerk, trustees, any other additional comments or questions from the trustees?
1: Hi, this okay. is Buket. I, I, have, I have some comments, and this is in follow-up to uh, the discussion brought off by Trustee Splendario. So extracting data from some finance committee meetings in the fall, here is our payer mix. And again, these are fall data. Uh, Medi-Cal, managed, Medi-Cal managed care, 35%. Medicare, 28%, which is right along with CAPH at 28%. Straight Medi-Cal, 19%. Other governments, uh, which would include HPAC, that's 6%. Commercial is 8%. That's in distinction to the 25 or 27% that Erica showed us. And so-called self-pay is 4%. And this is extracted from um, finance committee meetings from the from the fall. So we do have variance certainly in our commercial payers versus uh, the, 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 the grouping of CAPH as a whole. We, we parallel them in Medicare, and then our, our combined Medi-Cals, be it Medicare, uh, managed care or Medi-Cal, we, we sort of trump and we know that that's not an awesome pair. So our circumstance, it, it has some variance within CAPH's uh, average.
2: I think that's important, Trustee, because what, as I described, the inherent um, sort of financial structural flaws with Medi-Cal, if you think about that, that more than that about 54 percent your payer mix is Medi-Cal and yeah. Medi-Cal is so underfunded. Yeah. Um, that that's a baseline of understanding of, of where you start. Yeah. Um, so thank you for that.
1: Of course. Madam chair, I see a hand up two hands up.
2: <laughs> oh,
0: Madam clerk, will you unmute them one at a time? And ident- please identify yourself.
2: Hi, this yeah, I just wanted to. for the benefit of the public to let folks know that HPAC um, is what on Erica's chart would show up as
0: uninsured. So that's the county indigent health plan, which is where mm-hmm. anyone who doesn't
2: qualify for Medi-Cal, aka they're uninsured. So it's the equivalent.
0: Thank you for defining that acronym. The other raised hand, please.
10: Uh, yeah, Miss Murray, um, you spoke about your work at the state level and in the legislature, if you could tell us when was the last time the Medi-Cal reimbursement rates were pushed up and is there a push ongoing to get those reimbursement rates raised and what would that mean to the system?
2: I don't know exactly when the rates were increased. So you, you have to you have to distinguish between Medi-Cal fee-for-service and Medi-Cal managed care. Uh, and so, in 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 fee for service is different in that um, the public healthcare systems uh, pay an in inpatient, which is with the bulk of the uh, the bulk of the costs. We put up the non-federal share, and the feds reimburse us. So we it it has that limitation. So, as an example, we have seen across the board, and I can't speak to Alameda's numbers, but. Um, across the board over the past year a sharp increase in Medi-Cal fee-for-service inpatient utilization of COVID patients. Right, you, mm. That's not surprising <laughs> that low-income folks are being treated at Alameda Health System in the inpatient setting for COVID. Well, if that's only paid for half, we're, we're having to um, put up that, that other half. We have a $300 million dollar state funding requests in for this year for the 21-22 budget to help cover those costs for COVID. That's a good example. Medi-Cal managed care is funded through the state but then it goes you know the the rate goes to the plan and then the plan sets the rate to the provider. It's a that's that's just sort of how the negotiation goes and so the the rates tend to um, go up slowly. The state tends to acknowledge increased costs for Medi-Cal managed care. That's not true across the board. And anytime the rates take a hit, uh, you can imagine when when the plan gets less, the provider gets less. Does that answer your question? Probably not, not totally, but maybe
10: enough. I'm Mm sorry, excuse me for being so rude. I don't mean to talk.
2: No, you're not, no, you you, you asked such a good question.
10: No. um, Currently, um, when you talk about that plan, are the rates continuing to go up or have you seen something make them go down? And if they're going up, are we realizing a profit?
2: It's, it's a really long answer, but uh, um, a while ago, the Alameda Alliance, the Medi-Cal Managed Care Plan, the public plan, um, was in conservatorship. And as part of that um, conservatorship, Alameda Health system agreed to take very low rates like like you know sort of the basement. And since Alameda Alliance has cro- has moved out of the conservatorship, um, Alameda Health system has been negotiating high progressively higher rates. but I would say they've negotiated from the basement to the first floor and there's more more growths more room to grow
10: thank you so much for your patience and understanding I appreciate you answering that question
2: you got thank, it. You, Mr.
0: thank you Mr. Floyd um I understand for Mr. Moy we have two more questions Mr. Moy
8: yes uh so the first question is uh AHS has ex- examined its governance model once before is there an opportunity to review historical records to determine what worked and what areas we should avoid? Uh, it entailed looking at various models across the state.
2: I, I would just agree and encourage us to think about um, the last time we we Alameda um, considered these options um, and. Um, Apply
1: that to the current thinking. There is source documentation about the prolific thinking that that went into this um, from the late '90s. Uh, the uh, the prior board has seen that um, uh, as uh, these are public documents, correct, uh, General Counsel? Yeah, I'm not
8: sure what you're referring to. Uh,
1: the, uh, remember the documents you gave to us last year to the full board, which kind of outlined. Uh, the, the thinking around the health authority model development from the 90s you we've given to that us previously.
8: Yes, that's a public document. No, that's the uh, feasibility study that was conducted exactly. by the uh, county when they were trying to decide what the uh, new model would be at that time. Yes, sir. That And that's what I'm referring to. So, uh, I'll take,
1: uh, uh, president's privilege and I'll make sure that we include that as as uh as part of a board packet uh, then the next full board packet uh, uh madam clerk if we can include that as an addendum uh to make that available to the public so they can review uh the analysis and feasibility that under that, that that many people underwent in the mid to late 90s so that can be available to the public for them to view since it's a public document
0: thank you trustee paquette mr moore you have another question
8: Yes, there's another one. Uh the uh does uh CAPH lobby for universal health care? It seems that would solve a lot of our financial problems.
2: Uh, the short answer is yes. We have been uh uh long advocates of uh universal coverage. I think I do think there are important policy considerations um that we have to factor in when we're thinking about different models. Um, and different financing, uh, and um, so uh, we have not taken positions on the single quote unquote single payer bills, but we we um, watch very closely with an eye towards um, the precarious nature of the funding for Medi-Cal and uninsured, and and what that would mean for the transition to. A Medicare for all type structure.
0: I'm sorry. Hang on one second. Um, Mr. Moy, did you, is there another question?
8: I don't have any.
0: Um, I see a comment from Mr. Moy, Mr. Floyd. I'm being asked to ask you to introduce yourself, Mr. Floyd. Mr. Floyd, are you muted? Mr. Floyd, you're muted, please. Would you please unmute? okay as we are waiting um are there other other trustee comments or other raised hands okay all righty well we're very efficient and i want to note to the other trustees that i'm ending on time That's i want to know i think I'm know
10: not,
1: i'll always I'll always screw it up for you if you don't mind and <laughs> oh, go ahead. To say. you know govern uh, mr floyd is back on I'll I'll, I'll I'll see the floor to him
0: thank you mr floyd
10: Yes. Um I'm sorry I had to step away for a minute. I don't know if there was a direct question to me or something that um, made a response.
0: Yes, um a member of the public contacted Mr. Moy to ask you to identify yourself, to introduce yourself. I'm sorry to introduce yourself.
10: My name is Michael Floyd. I'm a field service representative for SEIU 10 to 1.
0: Okay. Thank you for thank you for doing that and uh, responding to that request. Mr. Moore, any other questions or requests from the audience? No Okay any trustees last say tap this is your last chance
1: Yeah you know I got you know I always got something to say so um, I, I appreciate everyone I appreciate Erica coming in to, to speak to us and and uh, I, I love that there have been as many as 90 people in the room. The word tonight was governance. What a big word that we had to talk about, and as a trustee, I think uh, it, uh, we have to chop this word up into a couple pieces. So I see governance in kind of three ways here. We have the governance of the internal organization itself. You know, what is the reporting structures? How how do we do things in this in, in this hospital system? The fortunate thing is that that we've hired a capable CEO whose job is to answer the questions about how our governance it, it is to be designed or redesigned or what have you. That's one level of governance, and I, and I have confidence that, that, that we are in that position where uh, that will be examined, analyzed, evolved. The second governance I see is the relation of this AHS Board of Trustees to Alameda Health System. And the fortunate thing there is we have a set of bylaws which help us determine how we govern at ahs do the bylaws need evolution of course and that's that that is something that we can actually take ownership on as well and how we interact with the public how we how we govern how we set up committees that's also governance and then the last governance is what i consider is the macro governance that's what we're largely here to talk about this evening that's the relationship of alameda health system with the county and what I'll say is that this Board of Trustees is not the ultimate arbiter of what that governance is. Uh, the, the Board of Supervisors have hired HMA, and to be, to be clear, the, 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 the Board of Trustees did not hire HMA. Uh, we are very pleased to, uh, that, that, that we've been invited to talk with them and, and give our input and guidance towards uh, having some clarifying uh, uh, moments, if you will, on what the best governance is. And I'm happy to note that, that the AHS contribution to HMA's uh, uh, engagement is complete. All the AHS-related interviewees, interviews have been, con, have been completed. So I'm really, really happy that we've been able to participate. But I want to emphasize that it's, this Board of Trustees is not the ultimate arbiter on the macro governance of where, of where we are. And we are happy uh, and, and pleased that we've been invited to contribute to the dialogue. And I'm also happy that that we've had public come here to contribute to the dialogue, and that's going to be what's important to feed this. And I'll end with a funny quote by a by a, an American writer called H.L. Mencken, and he said, "For every complex problem, there is an answer that is clear, simple, and wrong." So so we we actually this is tough stuff. I wish it was as simple as all. Oh, we'll go back to the camp because there's going to be there's going to be pros and cons of each, and uh, uh, I, I take faith in in the knowledge that that the, the soups have hired HMA, who seems to be asking these big existential questions about where we are. It seems that HMA um, is is on the pathway to meet the the initial kind of deadline for presentation in March, but we're still talking with our uh, uh, board of supervisor partners and colleagues about how that is, and we hope to be in receipt of that. And uh, I I wanna be appreciative to the Board of Suits, HMA, the trustees, the public, Erica, everybody, who's trying to help us make the best decisions on how this system positions itself for optimal success for itself and for therefore its patients. So now I'll shut up. (laughs)
0: Thank you for those sage words, Chair Puket. I want to thank erica murray from the california association of public hospitals and health systems i've enjoyed the conversation tonight and hearing the voices of our stakeholders and i'm hoping to have another meeting next month so i look forward to all of you uh coming again and hearing um the status of our governance structure um uh, investigation and i thank these four Uh, being part of this ad hoc committee, as well as those uh, other trustees that joined us this evening. So thank you so much, and uh, let's adjourn the meeting.